Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with artist and muralist Adam Hernandez to talk about his work, making time for your passion, the importance of mentors, being a real person while conducting business, the virtue of Columbus, and then we wrap things up by arguing about what the short north needs. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com, the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with muralist and painter Adam Hernandez. Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for sitting down. So tell us about your work. What's the what's the elevator pitch? Um, well, before I get into that, I want to ask a question. Your okay. theme music for the podcast <laughs> is super awesome. Thank you. Um, where is that from? Uh, so it was commissioned, actually. It's funny because I just released an episode uh, sort of about the Confluence cast, uh-huh. and we actually go into why, where, it, what is the theme music, and where did it come okay. from. It's a friend of mine, and I commissioned it, and I literally said to him, can you... Uh, uh, do I really like the Night Court theme song, okay. and I really like the uh, second iteration of Law and Order. Okay. So can you combine that and make it fun? Nice. Uh, so yeah. Nailed it. It's perfect. It's he, sweet. Benji's awesome. So Benji gets in the show notes again sweet. this week. So okay. Sorry. Uh, no, it's an- all right. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, um, I kind of take influence from a lot of different places, um, graffiti being one of them, and then I would say ancient mythology slash ancient hieroglyphics okay. being the other. Um, I know those are two, like, for some most people, a lot of people would be, like, opposite ends of the spectrum. For me, they're kind of very similar in that they're people who are leaving a mark on a wall. Yeah, from remembered. an art history perspective, they are the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They're people communicating something on a, in a public space. Mm. Right. So, yeah, so for me, it was kind of like, how can I blend these two things and make my own style out of it? And that's how I would describe my artwork. Modern hieroglyphics, I guess. Okay. A lot of animals represented in your work, a lot of geometric shapes Mm -hmm. um, and sort of, uh, you know, mirroring two sides of things. Mm -hmm. In addition to the, you grew up in... Brooklyn, is that the right? Bronx, the Bronx. In the Bronx, uh-huh. excuse me. It's okay. I, I can't mess up my boroughs I try, today. I try not to get like salty about it because so many people like they think Brooklyn the first time around. was like, it's cool, it's cool, it's the Bronx, the cool borough. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the yet to be cool. Not yet. Yeah, I'm not. People gonna... just don't know about how cool it is yet. You know? I like the Bronx mm-hmm. a lot. I've I've spent more time in. Frankly, if I had to choose a borough, it would be Queens. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, that's just 
I went to high school in Queens, actually. Okay, so Uh there you go. Uh So you did some growing up there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Astoria is awesome. Grew up in an artistically inclined family, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Talk about sort of how you got started in art. Is it something where you were drawing and sketching as a kid or, you know, talk through that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't remember the first time I, like, had crayons and drew something. My mom jokes that... When I was little, she would always try to get me to color in the lines in coloring books, but I would always like go outside the lines and like draw my own little characters and doodles okay. in the coloring books, which I think is kind of uh, funny yeah. to think yeah. about. Um, but one of my like earliest, like, I guess, definitive memories of like art in my life was my grandpa was an oil painter, okay, was, like a like badass, like proper realism type stuff, and. Uh, I remember being like having a Spider-Man coloring book and not being able to like get the color of bricks right, and he took. He ch- took like I don't remember what two I don't even remember what two colors. But he taught me how to blend colors with crayons, and that oh, wow. like blew my mind. And like ever since then, I just like was able to see like artistic tools like as more like they can be used for so many more different things. And I was probably like I don't know six or seven years old, but it really right. was a formative thing of like being like the tools that you have. How can you use them to create something more than what it just like is? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Does no, that absolutely. Uh-huh. That absolutely that makes sense. Mm. So you're primarily known, or you put yourself out primarily as a muralist. Mm-hmm. You do other work as well, mm-hmm. right? Like basically designs. You have some apparel on your website. Yep. I saw. Mm. You're at the time of this airing. You just launched a new set of mm. t. It's basically t-shirts. T-shirts. I'm actually. This is the first year I'm doing sweatshirts and okay. clothes for kids, toddlers, and babies. So you know, all right, you can get all the little ones some cool God mask shirts for the holidays. Good. And I'm sorry, you call them God mask? Yes, God masks. God masks. Yes. Talk about that. Um, they're inspired by like the mask that maybe like a shaman in a sort of like ritualistic uh practice or something would be wearing Mm -hmm. uh to me they kind of are like if you're channeling the power we've mentioned how i use animals a lot in my so it's like yeah to me like i haven't always been a very self-confident or outgoing person it's something that i've had to teach myself to do as i've gotten older it makes me kind of uncomfortable don't like talking about myself so this is like kind of a big deal i'm doing a podcast (laughs) right now you're doing just fine but um uh no but seriously though um yeah so anyway the yeah the god mask they were like uh, when you the characters put them on, it's kind of like they are channeling. The, it's like it's usually like some sort of like predator and like a wolf, or a lion, a cougar, mm-hmm. a panther. These like really fierce, powerful creatures. These ordinary, regular people put them on, and they're able to like harness that. It's kind of like this empowering thing. Okay. So like when you rock it on the shirt, it's kind of like hey. I can be a badass too. That's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> but you are what's represented on the apparel is just the mask. Yes. It's not like um, there aren't like legs popping out underneath no, 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 it. No, no, Got no. it. Just like the mask. Yeah. Cool. Because you know cool. you can't really put on a four eye tiger mask and go to work, but you can put on a four eye tiger t shirt and go to work. So right. Yeah, it's the modern version of a shaman's mask, I guess. Talk to me a little bit about how you work. Let's talk about like this apparel project okay. first of all. Mm-hmm. Is it something where you say I really want to do this, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to come up with twelve designs, use eight of them, mm-hmm. and put them into production. Mm-hmm. Uh, give yourself a timeline. How does that? Um, it, it honestly varies this year. I've, this is probably the third or fourth year that I've done something like this. Okay. So I try to plan out a little further in advance. Um, uh, but yeah, it's pretty much like I just drew a design is like, what are some new things I can try this year? Different Mm -hmm. color palettes. Um, what colors does 
the actual graphic going to be on? So like if it's going to be on a gray shirt, what colors am I going to use? If it's going to be a black shirt, can it be interchangeable? That's also a different feature. So yeah, so it's pretty much, it starts out with me just with my sketch pad, drawing a bunch of designs. Then I put them in Photoshop, clean them up, color them and just see what works. It doesn't work this year. I probably came up with like eight designs. And I think I'm only using four of them. Okay. Um, but the other four might be turned into paintings or for other concepts or other projects like that. I try not to throw things away. Okay. Yeah. May become a mural in the future. Yeah. So what, so then are you getting the t-shirts and stuff all produced yourself and you know, your brand new wife is going to be pissed off that your basement <laughs> is full of full of boxes of well, t-shirts funny you ask that because last year uh the launch i did wasn't as big as other years that i've done it so i have like 30 or 40 wolf god mask t-shirts you know okay. so if you are looking for a wolf god mask uh, they're at a discounted price on my website oh gotcha. no but um so in years past i had a a local guy here um rob fulton he's mysterioso rock art he's done the really cool believe in local music tees i don't know if you've yeah. seen those um by the way no relation oh yeah <laughs> just saying yeah uh he we were next door neighbors when i first moved to columbus or after a couple years of me living here in columbus mm -hmm. and we met hit it off he was an artist also we were both into like cool weird mythology stuff and like really hit it off and he started his screen printing business. I started like kind of getting off the ground as a visual artist. And I was like, I want to make t-shirts. He's like, hey, let me print them for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really badass. He screen printed them. This year is a little different. I'm doing it, doing direct to garment printing, which is a little different than screen printing. And I'm doing it through an online service. Okay. So in that way, I can offer a lot more options, give people, they can like kind of more customize it if they want it on a black shirt, gray shirt, red shirt, pink shirt. So it's basically whatever. printed after they order it. Yeah, yeah. And also you kind of, you know, Good thing you don't have to deal with fulfillment. Uh -huh. Bad thing, I imagine you're you know not getting as much of a cut as yes. Yeah, so, I mean would. it's a tit for tat sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I have to like especially having a full time job and being an artist, my time is very valuable to me. Mm -hmm. So just uh, I mean even though I'm not maybe not making as big of a profit margin in some aspects, the time of going to the store, picking up the shirts packaging them yeah labeling, all that kind of stuff that's figuring just, like, out I what could to be charge for postage more, yeah, right exactly so it's like a tit for tat and it's a lot easier doing it this way for me so yeah yeah and we've talked to other artists in the past mm -hmm. who are dealing with the same thing sort of this work life art balance mm -hmm. do you have to block out time to do your art or is it sort of just whenever you get time are you you know every week are you like all right, I'm taking time and on every Tuesday night you're going to go and draw. How do you how do you do that? Do you have to block out time? Honestly, like it's kind of I work when I can. It's okay. like I'm lucky that I found something that like a lot of people have passions that they can't that they don't have time for because of whatever work, but like for me the fact that I've gotten such a good response from my art and that people are willing to pay me to do it. So yeah. it's just like and I like legitimately like love doing it. So it's like pretty much like all my free time is that not all my free time, obviously, but um, I don't have like a specific schedule from nine to 10 on Wednesdays. I do it. It's like, oh, we don't have a shoot at work. So I'm going to like run home and like work on this painting commission that I have to work on or like right. on a Friday. I'm kind of a night owl. So when I get home from work, like me and Molly will hang out, watch TV or whatever. And then when she goes to bed, I'm usually up to like two, three in the morning working on something. Gotcha. It's kind of my style. <laughs> and what is your day job? I am a videographer at Penguin Magic P3 Studios here in Columbus. Which we referenced with uh, the Eric Tate mm -hmm. interview. How did you get involved with, I mean, it seems a little uh, <laughs> disparate, uh -huh. uh, you know, doing 
there's an art aspect to it, mm-hmm. but you don't really have a background in magic, well, right? Well, it's funny to say that my dad actually growing up, he was a big inspiration for me because he always had a nine to five job, but something that was passionate for him was entertaining children. Okay. So he found in his spare time, he was a magic clown and that's how he made extra money for our family. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely actually do come from a background and that's one of the artistic backgrounds of my childhood my dad was an entertainer okay and he just had that like hustler mentality just like when he had spare time he's like how could i be providing more for my family so to me that's kind of like even though it's like fun and i am passionate about arts like how is a way to make money off of this as well um anyway yeah so my uh one of my first friends when i moved here to columbus his uh his sister owns uh penguin magic or she's like one of the like uh operating managers of the company and anyway it was like before they were like as big as they are now, but they needed help building magic gimmicks, like doing something with like playing cards and manipulating them for a trick. Right. They were like really backed up and they asked me if I could help out. So I went over there, drank some beers with them, got in cool with them. And um, as the years have progressed since then, I've taken on more and more responsibility from them. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where they were just like, do you want to come on full time as a videographer? So now, yeah, like I sh- do a bunch of our video shoots. That's There's great. There's some shoots every now and then where I'm like the tech director which is kind of cool i don't even know it's the proper title but i like to say because it, it makes me sound cool <laughs> but i'm the guy who tells her make sure all the cameras are running and make sure everybody's in their place when you've got all the equipment you need and <laughs> yeah, yeah, right yeah. cool and uh, then you're doing some editing as yeah. well but mm-hmm. did you do that before or no i didn't i kind of learned on the job so. that's awesome mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah so how did you get from the bronx to columbus um i came out here for the weather i just love how inconsistent it is just yeah kidding. i followed my ex out here <laughs> okay that happens yeah that happens uh-huh. uh do you have any formal schooling in art school of hard knocks sorry i'm trying to be funny no um <laughs> literally just a lot of time alone practicing okay. over and over um on, and also just like picking the brains of more established artists Columbus okay this has been really awesome in that way that people are like really open here and willing to like get coffee with you so like from the like actual like technical standpoint of like making artwork i've been able to like just hit up people and be like hey i'm trying to do this thing i don't know how to do it Mm -hmm. they'll help me like with some murals like we're really big i didn't know how to paint big murals at first i asked who are some big muralists in columbus right i was like hey can i get coffee with you i'm trying to do this thing how do you do it right and there's been people been really awesome and have helped me out a lot of times you just gotta kind of gotta figure it out yourself uh, and then also from the business side of it, not going to art school, I've also just like hit people up and been like, Hey, I, I know I'm going to, I've made some money off of art this year. How do I pay my taxes on that? And yeah. you know, stuff like that. And it's been really, I, I love that sense of community that this city has that people are just willing to kind of pass on information and help each other out. Yeah. And now that I've been in the game for a little while, it's been cool too. Cause I've been able to help some other people and people will ask me like, how do you do? I'm like, dude, honestly, I don't know. I just kind of figure it out. Right. Which I think it's important too. Just like. You can, uh, you can like sit back and just like think of all the things that'll be hard about or difficult or how it won't work out. But like, honestly, the things usually do, you're going to have some fumbles or hit some roadblocks on the way, but just, you gotta, you gotta take the chance and take the leap. Yeah. And I imagine, so a lot of visual artists, they're not, you know, they're not collecting a 1099 when Mm. they, uh, sell a piece Mm. of work, but for you, when you get a commission for a mural, for example, mm-hmm. you're they're gonna ten ninety nine you because it's a corporation mm-hmm. and they you know mm-hmm. they have a well a, not all the time some people it's, that's, that's another funny thing is like I when I was started getting big commissions like that I assumed that that might be the case yeah but people like 
some people some are fine with it They'll yeah just, and some people just also donate like some a lot of business new businesses they've never commissioned an artist before so they don't know how it goes either like okay. i'll be intimidated sometimes approaching people in these meetings and being like oh how do you like wondering like how am i gonna ask them for the money like financial being so awkward about it and it's like they don't know either so just kind of like gotcha figures you make or just be confident or just be honest so you're not in there saying well what is your procurement process yeah yeah for- no, just being real just being a real person i think people connect with that good maybe not in all settings but here in columbus i think people appreciate a, a genuine attitude yeah uh-huh. absolutely and so how do you try like let's say i came to you i'm a smaller medium-sized business mm-hmm. i've got a big wall mm-hmm. and i'm i say i want to hey i want to commission a piece mm-hmm. you charge per like square foot right yeah. okay uh-huh. and then do you do you walk through an iterative design process mm-hmm. how much are you willing to let here's here's where sort of the commercial and the um artistic license Mm. part of it comes into Mm. it if i said to you hey i want a mural and i want you to do your type of art but i want cows yeah would you say like yeah i can do that that's Mm. fine but you got to realize it's still going to be my kind of thing and you i assume give the client the ability to ask for revisions before Mm. you start putting stuff up how Mm. does that work so i mean again something that i learned as i've been doing it because Mm -hmm. um so like now I've kind of have a formula. I mean, I'm still open to changing it or finding things that work better. But right now, the kind of uh, process for me is somebody approaches me. I just kind of get to know them, like get to know their vibe, what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got to a point of like, if you go to my website, you can tell I have a pretty distinctive style. So yeah. if somebody wants like a realistic looking cow, for example, like I'm not your guy. And like I'm clear with that. And I just like tell them like, look, like I can do a cow. It's going to look in my style, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, so pretty much like if we, we'll get into talks and like if you're interested, I ask for a deposit, which is something that I've been burned by in the past. People will ask for all these designs, revisions and stuff. Then when it comes down to it, they'll like back out. And it's like I did all this work again right. going back to time being valuable. So like just asking for a deposit, one, I think it makes you look really professional. It lets them know that you're serious. And it also makes you know that they're serious, too. Right. Because it's like we're not wasting each other's time. Like, let's make something happen. And it's usually, and also that deposit goes towards the final cost of right. the finished product. So, yeah, and, I usually, and I'm also specific about, like, I'll give you a concept sketch. I'll give you a couple. And they're, like, usually really rough, like, pencil drawings. Right. Pick one that you like. I'll do, like, a couple revisions on it. And it's usually, like, I'll tell them it's, like, I'll give you up to three revisions. After that, I'll charge X amount of dollars per revision. Mm-hmm. It just also helps both parties get to the point and like, let's make this happen. Right. want to be sitting One, down. So that they're not, you know, muddling around a whole mm-hmm. lot and saying, well, I really like, I got you to this point mm-hmm. and then they had to show it to a decision maker yeah, yeah. and the decision maker was like, well, I thought we wanted chickens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you're going to end up charging more for that. Mm-hmm. But also, I imagine if you're in a situation where there's additional decision makers, they hopefully have a little bit more of a budget yeah, to yeah. work with. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, also, and most people, and I just try to be, that's why like, I like to just go, get to know people first, because that helps me. It's like, we don't have to go through all those things. It's mm-hmm. like, if they tell me what they're looking for. And again, like, I have a pretty distinctive style, so they kind of are going to know what my version of a cow is going to look like. Or right. Whatever. So it, it it's for the most part, usually kind of first sketch I send them, it works, and then we get to work. What about the community or collaborative works that you've worked on mm-hmm. in the past? I know that you, I've seen work of yours that is obviously not all yours. Mm-hmm. It's like your piece is supplanted on more of an abstract piece mm-hmm. um, or abstract words. Mm-hmm. Is that a donation of your time? Is that um, just, hey, I wanted to work with this person? How does that 
how has that worked for you in the past? Okay. I think when you're referring to those, like the graffiti abstract stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, though, that's actually also me as well. Oh, okay. And, that's, and I can, I'll answer your question. I can go into that because that's kind of where I was talking about with the like ancient mythology and graffiti tying in. Yeah. That's my way of doing it. We can get into that. But like, for example, um, uh, like so Stephanie Rond, who's been uh, yeah. guest on the show a couple times. I think my only two time guest. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie's super awesome. Um, we uh we did a was that earlier this year or last year but we did a restaurant called Blunch in Clintonville together mm-hmm. and that one worked out where she got approached by the business owner and they asked her to do the artwork for it she was in a really busy time so she wanted to have or have somebody to work on it with she hit me up okay and our styles are like pretty aesthetically different so we just met up and uh sat down did some sketches mock-ups and like found ways like she has a distinctive like characters and elements that she incorporates as do i yeah so we're like so like what if we did one of your characters on my background and Mm -hmm. one of mine and yours vice versa and we showed it to the business owner and they loved it and we made it work that's basically a split commission then yeah basically that works yeah cool and then in other situations with like collaborations i mean it's honestly it goes back to columbus like people trying to help build each other up yeah uh i don't know like Like, have you done urban scrawl i have done urban Scrawl okay a couple times the last i didn't do it this last year because i was actually in pittsburgh painting in a similar street festival okay which was a collaborative thing which adam brulette of block fort yeah he hit me up about he was bringing a team of people from columbus to paint out there and uh it was like that's like similar thing just like an artist had an opportunity they hit some people up in their circle and were like hey let's work on this together we met up kind of came up with the concept and made it happen that's great yeah it's a lot of fun and i think it's like really sweet too because it kind of pushes you when you work with somebody who you've never worked before or who doesn't have the same uh style or process of doing it you have to kind of think outside the box and maybe be in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation but i think in those kind of things, though, it kind of makes you realize, like, wow, I'm capable of doing that. It's a little empowering, you know? Yeah. Um, and so for work like that, where, like, at the Pittsburgh Festival mm. you were talking about, or even Urban Scrawl, mm. are you planning that stuff out ahead of time? Mm. Like, you, you're coming with a sketch, and you're, um, it's not just, like, oh, I don't know, I literally don't know what mm. I'm going to paint today. Mm. Like, you do have a plan, right? Um, yeah, uh, for... The first year that I painted Because Adam, for example, I know is super, super planful mm. about his work. Like, mm. he knows exactly what mm. is going to go up on mm. a thing. And when, for live painting, he's literally letting people watch his process mm. more than his inspiration, yeah, yeah, yeah. if or you will. Sponta- being spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, like... It, de- it honestly depends on kind of how I'm feeling. I usually do have like a little bit of a con- like mental concept. It's not always sketched out. Um, but I also allow like for the Pittsburgh one, for example, I wanted to do this like owl goddess lady. Okay. Um, she was wearing like an owl god mask on her head and um, she was like kind of surrounded by some plants and stuff like that. I had the concept and I had like a rough sketch of it. But when I was on the wall and talking to the other artists, meeting people, walking by, talking like it kind of I, I don't know, just like. Hates the word vibing off of the event, but right. well, it um, evolved, right? Yeah, yeah, and like so, just talking to people and seeing the colors the artists on either side of me were using influenced the colors that I chose to use. I wanted it to kind of flow. So like, I had this vision of what it was gonna look like. But I was like, yeah, I can be like really specific on what I want, but it's not gonna work for the overall piece. There's 
10 other artists painting on this wall. I wanted it to be a cohesive, right. cool-looking thing. So I was able to kind of work it so that it flowed with everybody else. And this was a permanent installation, not like Urban Scrawl, where it's just individual mm -hmm. panels, Yeah, and right? I don't know how long it'll be there. I think it'll be there for at least the next year or so. But okay. yeah, it's on a huge wall on the side of a place called Spirit in Pittsburgh, which is a really cool, cool. bar, venue, pizzeria. Yeah, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. They're white... Uh, Sicilian pizza. If anybody's in Pittsburgh, okay. I would definitely suggest checking it out. It's really good. 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 I'll make sure I tag that as well. <laughs> when did you come to Columbus? Uh, 10 years ago, about 10, okay. 11 years ago. And were you painting in the Bronx before that? Um, Not really. I mean, I was making art doodling and just stuff in notebooks, but not at, like at the level that I was. Okay. Until maybe... I would say maybe seven or eight years ago is when I like really got into painting. Okay. And I was probably painting for about a year, kind of developing a style. Honestly, my first couple of paintings really sucked. Okay. But, um, like murals. No, no, no. Like oh, just okay. Painting, painting. Got it. Um, and uh, there was a place. I don't know if you were familiar with the eighty-three gallery. Yeah. It used to be in the short north. Yeah. The dudes that ran that, like, I feel eternally indebted to them because. They provided a space where any artist of any skill level could showcase artwork for like, I think they charged like $25 a month and they took like 20% commission. Okay. Like literally just to keep the lights on. They didn't make any money off of it. Mm -hmm. And like, I had my first art show there and somebody bought a painting and it was like the coolest feeling. Like something that yeah. I needed in my kitchen. Somebody wants to spend, I think it was like 150 bucks or something. But it's like, that meant so much to me. And like, that was like really the spark that got me. It's like I could actually do this because I mean I think I had always entertained the idea. I'm like super into comic books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was always thought like it would be cool to be a comic book artist or a cartoonist or something, but it didn't seem realistic right. until like that moment where I was like people are willing to invest in this. That kind of encouraged me to keep trying it, and I kept showing with them and the guys in there. Uh, they just they helped me kind of hone in on my skill and clean my stuff up a little bit more, how to present myself, be more professional. Yeah. And from there, just kind of learning as I've gone along. Gotcha. Yeah. For somebody who is interested in sort of involving themselves in the art scene a little bit more, mm -hmm. are there groups that you reached out to or was it really just hitting people up on Facebook? Like, you know, folks like Adam who mm -hmm. do both small scale and large scale work mm -hmm. how did you how did you find your way into that um yeah well there's like a really awesome facebook group called the art and artists of 614 yeah i've gotten a lot of leads through that um and it's a sweet place because like say somebody posts a lead or like an event or something it's cool because it's like the community of artists helps curate it so like up-and-comers who are kind of green don't really know they can people who are a little more like veterans in the scene can kind of be like, don't do it. Not worth your time. Right. Or they'll be like, Hey, for up and comers is a great opportunity. You should definitely go for it. First couple like quote unquote shows I had were in other than 83 gallery were like in restaurants and stuff like that. Okay. So that kind of helped me learn how to like create a cohesive body of work in a space instead of just having a bunch of random paintings. Yeah. Being like maybe I should use some color palette or be thematic in some way. Yeah. And then from there, people seeing it just, I don't know, going to other art shows, uh, just honestly, like sometimes cold calling people. Um, the first time I met Adam Brulette was because, do you know Brent Foley? Yeah, I the architect. Show, yeah, I had a yeah. show at Gallery Denmark, and I was kind of in a slow patch on the art side of things. And I hit him up, and I was like, hey, I know you guys are involved in development and architecture. Um, if 
you have any new projects coming up and you need an artist involved, please. And he was super, he's like, he's like, I might not directly be able to help you with that, but I can connect you with some people who could. Yeah. He suggested Adam Boulette. We went and had lunch together and Adam's definitely like helped me develop and grow. Yeah. Um, trying to think of some of the other people. Brent Foley's been like, super helpful. Adam Brulette, Jeremy Jarvis, uh, who's a super badass. Uh, he doesn't have like as like a buzzy name in the Columbus Arts team. He's a super badass painter, but he's done a lot of stuff with like um, he's done a lot of stuff with the Harmony Project. He leads a lot of their community-based murals, and he's brought okay. me on some projects. There's a lot of this stuff he does. It's not as much um, of the like I guess I don't know how to say like fine art artistic murals. Sometimes a little yeah. more corporate, but okay. One thing that I learned from Jeremy was that I used to have a big hang-up about like having to only be able to paint my style. Like I only want to paint my Thunderbirds or my graffiti inspired stuff like that. Okay. But he supports a f his family has four kids, like solely off of artwork. And okay. it kind of made me realize like he developed, he designs these murals and stuff. And like, maybe I'm sure, I don't, I don't know like what stuff he might traditionally want to paint or, right. but he's like found a way to like, he still gets to make art and make money off of it. It's yeah. I really mean, they're awesome. so, I mean, even in my own work, I'm like, mm. God, I hate doing this. Mm. Like, you know, whether it's putting together Facebook ads or, you know, uh, market validation mm. study with, for something that I just do not have any interest mm. in. And I have to remind myself a little bit, like, this is what I'm getting paid to yeah. do. Like, this is, there's a reason why they call it work. Yeah. I know that sounds a little silly yeah. but it's important to me to to at retain agency over mm -hmm. uh the work that i do mm -hmm. it's not you know i'm not a visual artist i'm mm -hmm. not an artist but that's super important and if you want me to step outside of that mm -hmm. you're going to compensate me for yeah, it yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so is a goal for you to get to a point where this is what you're doing full time. I know, thankfully, you, your day job allows for a little bit of artistic expression mm, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, but is that the end goal? Oh, to one, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, simply like how close are that. you? Um, is it come to? I, I guess I think about like, hey, if I want to take another step in my career, I may need to go back to school, or mm. I may need to set goals for doing this many mm. projects or these kind of projects. Is it? Are you able to set out like a five year plan for yourself? It's, it's funny you ask that. It's something that I think about all the time, and it, sh like, stresses me out. Okay. Um, but, I mean, like, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's definitely something I just need to think about and be smart about. Like, especially if having just gotten married and, like, wanting to start a family and have kids. It's like, yeah. right now, like, I can't quit my full-time job and solely do art. Yeah. There are moments that I am so busy and so overwhelmed. I just, like, sometimes, like, hate that I have a job. But then, and it's like I'm making, like, really good commissions, have a couple murals on lock. But then, like that that busy period passes and it's like all right there's a couple months without any artwork coming in so right. when i get to a point where it's like i literally have no time to stop and there's like constantly art coming in then i can evaluate that and see if it's worth it yeah but um or have a little bit of savings set aside mm -hmm. so that like hey the slow times aren't going to be that bad yeah 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 one thing that i'm trying to like learn and teach myself is like even having like a little bit of like a cushion of savings is like yeah it might get me through a couple months but like having to think about like 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. Yeah. Having kids. Retirement. Like, 529 yeah, plans. Like, I'm like 30, dude. Why am I thinking about this stuff? But this is exactly when you should be. Yeah. Thinking yeah. About so it. it's like, I mean, 
it's like really cool to think about just quitting your job and going off and doing it. And I did that for about a year. It was awesome. It was also nerve wracking. And like, right. I, I didn't even enjoy making art. Cause I was constantly worried about like, when's the next job co- coming in? When am I going to get this next commission? When am I going to do doing this thing or whatever? Can I pay rent? Yeah. So right. like what's been awesome. One of the advantages, and it's just like a mental mindset that I have to change. Like having a job provides like, this really cool freedom in that, which would seem like it doesn't provide freedom. It seems like some people might view it as more restraining, but to me, it's like, I don't have to take every, like at a, at a point I was taking every art job I could get. I was like designing logos for like, I'm not a graphic designer, but I was like taking these jobs on and I wasn't very good at it, but I was like desperate just to make work. Now I can be a little more particular and specific about what jobs I take on that are going to help me build my brand and name. And, uh, just things are going to be a little more lucrative for me. So like, going back to like time being very important it's like if i say yes to something it's like something that i know it's going to be valuable not that it's all about money but i have to like if i want to be a professional like a full-time professional artist i have to think in that way you know absolutely and you just did a piece actually along those lines on the new gravity project site in franklinton Mm -hmm. um which also has a world-renowned muralist cobra Mm -hmm. on it did you get to interact with how was that project? Because there were multiple local muralists yeah, on yeah. that project, right? Oh yeah. Um, I think that they did an awesome job of curating that, bringing in out of uh, international talent. Cobra's literally one of the f- most famous muralists in the world. Yeah. And uh, and providing opportunity for up and comers like myself. Um, it was just a lot of fun. They were really cool. Did um, they curate that internally? Like it was just one of their staff people that sort of did the outreach and figured it out. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I was uh, a little and bit. To be clear, this is Kaufman development that that would mm. have been the one curating mm. it. I did. It was a little bit. I don't know how it worked for. All, I know they did put out a call for artists. Um, okay. I was a little bit like, preemptive or like one thing that I've done is sometimes I'll just like read the Columbus Underground and yeah. see what new restaurants, businesses, developments are going up and finding the people running them and Who may be out making that decision right that? yeah yeah and it's like so that would suggest well maybe i shouldn't be saying this like other people can don't steal st- my trade secret right i'm just kidding but uh so yeah i reached out to them a, like a long time and it, i think like serendipitously they had, were just starting the conversation about artists right. when i reached out to them about being an artist so it worked out really well so i kind of got in from like the ground up and started talking to them and it was like a long process obviously it needs to go through uh, a lot of approval and like they were trying to create this thing to be cohesive throughout the space even though it's like a lot of different individual styles i think they still right. kind of wanted kind of like a certain aesthetic if you will yeah so um no yeah, they sure they certainly curate their spaces to an extent yeah so. yes um so yeah I, I sent them and it was like similar to what we were talking about earlier i gave them a couple concept sketches they found one that they really wanted. I refined it, and then I just executed it on the wall. <laughs> executed like makes it sound like no, I killed it. But, that's that's you know exactly what, I mean? what you did. You I did. killed it, yo. You I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, what uh, we we've you know, I'm not going to call it name dropping, but we've referenced a couple other artists and organizations. Anybody else that for uh, consumers of art. Uh, anybody else that folks should uh, and apologies to anybody you forget but mm-hmm. anything else or things that folks should check out there are a ton of uh, really talented really cool people here in Columbus um, again like you said forgive like forgive me for not mentioning certain yeah. people but um, names that come to the, my mind like dudes like Paul Jovis Patrick mm-hmm. Weiner uh, Patrick Weiner is dope he like we 
did a show, I don't know, probably like five years together. This thing called Worst Kept Secret Fest. Okay. It used to do it, they used to do it at the Dude Locker. And both of us were kind of like starting off showing work out there. It was, like, it was really cool to see. We both have like grown and branched out in different ways. So it's really cool to see where his style has gone. Doing like these crazy three-dimensional pieces uh, with like found objects and like cut wood. Um, huge inspiration for me. I really dig his stuff a lot. Um Covert number one, the street artist. Okay. Uh, I love what he does. It's all about positivity. And like, he, what's really cool about him is like, he's not. Is that the put, rainbow guy? Yeah. He does like the love bombs with the rainbows yeah. and okay. stuff like that. Um, I'm sure you've seen it all over yeah. Columbus. What's really cool. What I love about Covert so much is that the work, he, he's not doing it for money. He's like creating all this artwork so prolific and is like literally doing it just to like brighten people's days. And well, so like, and like put, Stephanie and I talked a lot about the difference between a street artist and a and a muralist, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, that's a street artist. Yeah. Totally. I mean, not asking for permission where to put your work. Mm. So, yeah. Who else? Um, I'm trying to think of more folks. Um, Nick Stoll, super badass painter. He's one of the guys who ran 83 Gallery. Now okay. he's one of the preparators at the Wexner Center. Yeah. Um, which actually had the opportunity of when I was doing like full-time art stuff i was able to actually help out on an install there which is super awesome which show uh the gray matter show oh great so it was the first one that michael curated uh, other folks somebody who doesn't not a painter but who's a super badass artist dana lynn harper she just had a yeah. show at 934 gallery huge fan of her work super cool super immersive I felt like when I walked into, I don't know if you got to see that show in person, I did not. but when you walk into the front room, it was like, oh, I'm literally like in another dimension in like the best way possible. It was okay. Super cool. Um, a good friend of mine who's a talented visual artist and musician, Kaylee Featherstone. Mm -hmm. She plays with St. Seneca. We actually used to be in a band together with Mike Hepburn and Alfie Saccone, okay. dudes who are still playing in bands in Columbus. Kaylee's an inspiration to me in that. She just kind of got an opportunity to go on tour with St. Seneca and took the leap and did it. And she's making moves and making it happen. Yeah. I'm like, I really admire people who are just willing to take that leap and go for it. Um, there's so many more people. Those are the ones that come. Natalia Sanchez, another one. She's also a block four artist. Okay. Uh, super cool. We did a going back to co collaboration. We did a collaboration, yeah. a collaborative show together. Um, Logan Schmidt, he's also out of Block Four. Really cool, talented guy. So a lot of those folks, like like guys like Logan Schmidt and Paul Jovis, like don't I don't have a similar style to them at all. But like what I admire and respect about them is that when you see one of their pieces, you know it's them. Yeah. And like that's something that I like really strive for is that like having a, like a really distinctive voice and like when people see it's like oh this is an Adam Hernandez piece. Oh this is a so and so piece. Yeah. Like, I think as an artist, that's kind of important to have that. No, absolutely. Mm. Well, and to it, it holds you up a lot, you know, when folks are able to say that's an Adam Hernandez, mm. or at least that's looks like an Adam mm. Hernandez. Um, anything that you see sort of given, you know, that you're from the Bronx and, uh, you know, you've been here for 10 years or so, mm. anything that Columbus is missing or not necessarily doing well right now? Um, I don't want to talk too much shit because Columbus has been really good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, some things that are like a little frustrating sometimes is that I feel like we talk a big game about wanting to have more art here. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of art that's a growing art scene, but there's like a lot of hindrances to that. Okay. And I think, and I don't, I'm not going to call names or name drop anybody or anything like that, but I feel like sometimes 
uh, certain powers that be who are they'll say they're trying to help, but like it's like the poops in the pudding, dude. Like trying to make some moves on that. Meaning, so are you talking about like not wanting to pay for it or yeah, not? Yeah, I mean it comes it comes down to money. It's like I mean I hate to like I hate to make it about that, but I mean it is like if we value if we say we value art so much it's like this is people's time their energy they're really pouring their heart and soul into this right if you have a leaky roof and you have somebody come and fix it like you're not gonna ask them to donate their time exactly for exposure like i'll tell everybody how good you are at fixing a leaky roof well are these i mean because one of the things that Mm. i have touted gcac for in the past Mm. is they will not even let they will not provide an introduction to their artists if you're not willing to at least pay them an honorarium, even for like speaking or something like that. GCAC has done a really good job at that. Mm. They're obviously trying to find more money for Mm. um, public art. And Mm. I think that they're, that's a good process Mm. or excuse me. I think that that's an, I think that that's an admirable process Mm. that they're going through. Um, and I think that we need more public art. Mm. I think every time I travel to even a smaller city and I see really cool shit, I'm Mm. like, God, why don't we have, you know, more than a deer on a bridge? And that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's more specifically about like, if I'm bitching about something, it's that it's like, why don't we have, we have so many talented people here with so many great ideas. And it's like, we aren't providing opportunities for them. Like, um, one, so are, I guess I are, like one like thing that really bugs me a lot. I yeah. don't know if I don't want to like make myself look like an asshole. Say it. Well, right. I'll well, call like, you one on thing it in if particular, I and I don't like. I'm not trying to like burn any bridges or like talk no. too much shit. But it's like, for example, like the Short North Arts District. Yeah. Um, it's called the Arts District. Where's the art? Well, it, like, as as the guy who uh, signed off on the grants program for small murals there, mm-hmm. yeah, they. I think they're trying, you know, but Mm -hmm. they also have to accept the there's a whole lot at play there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you know, the city trying to come up with a parking plan. There's um, private developers putting up things that are, quote unquote, art, but are really just advertisements for their building. Yeah. Um, And there's. I worry a lot about, you know, I think the Cobra piece is great. Mm there was some criticism when it was announced that it was happening that that, that's not a local artist. Mm. And I'm like, literally, what are you talking about? Like, this is a international artist that comes here and, you know, that's a rising tide for all artists here. And like, and like somebody firsthand who was like, I have a mural around the corner from Cobra. Mm -hmm. Like, how cool is that for somebody like me? And like, I technically it's the same building, Yeah, you know, like it's super cool. And like, and it brings up, it brings up the whole, the scene as a whole, the artists as a whole around it. And it like, it puts a little ping on Columbus. Like now other international like muralists will be like, look, like, Oh, Cobra has a piece there. Like, is that a city that I need to put work in? I mean, it should be noted that people will come here to see that. Yes, exactly. And like, I think it just, yeah, I don't know. I didn't understand the, uh, why people were so upset about that. Well, yeah. I think you see the headline and it's like international muralist Cobra and they don't do that. Well, I'm not going to require people to do research before they start criticizing things, but like be open to the idea that like, yeah, there's an international muralist, but also all these local muralists mm-hmm. that are there. Um, I guess my question is, you know, for example, the short North or, or mm-hmm. any other, um, center district Mm. what 
what do you think it needs? Do you think it needs more investment? Do you think it needs more building owners and developers open and wanting these things? Yeah, okay. I think that like... Have you hit a wall? Like what? Yeah, well, like in particular, I've met with some folks in the Shore North. I had some ideas and I was like, if I contacted a business and they were willing to pay me for a mural, like, could I do that? And they've like straight up said no. And they're like, they're, and I was like, well, you have these vinyl murals there and they're mm-hmm. reasoning for... Well, so there you're dealing with some interesting things too, right? The vinyl murals are... I don't know this for a fact, mm-hmm. but knowing having worked with uh, the historic area commissions mm-hmm. on both sides of High yeah, Street, yeah. just for folks that don't know, one side of High Street is dictated by the Victorian mm-hmm. Village Commission and the other side is dictated by the Italian Village mm-hmm. Commission. Um, those vinyl murals are technically temporary. Yeah. They can be removed. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get approval for mm-hmm. every aspect of mm-hmm. that before you put it up you have to get approval for the design everything like Mm. that it's not like SOHUD Mm. where there you know it's the university area commission Mm. that isn't tasked with maintaining the historic aspects of the district yeah and here's my thing about okay so one like I'm not trying to knock it too much I'm not gonna sound like an asshole again I've had great opportunities here um the vinyl mirror and like those vinyl mirrors are dope. Like there's a lot of cool artists and like it's cool they've showcased different like styles of art throughout yeah. them and it adds something like to the neighborhood. To me, it's like okay, yeah, under, like preserving the historic brick. But like, are we gonna like keep living in the past? Are we gonna create our own history so that mm-hmm. people can twenty years from now can like look back? I mean, it's like the the uh, the Mona Lisa mural, which a lot of people don't even know about, which is like that huge mural. I think it's on Pearl uh-huh. Alley, like next to the show. like that's been there for years, like. I'm sure that building has historic value as well. You know what I mean? Maybe that not. Was, I don't know. I'm pulling that out of well, my Well, that's but. also before the historic area commissions had much power in yeah. the neighborhood. I mean, the Shore North was very different 20 years yeah. ago. Um, you know, not trying to talk like an old guy, but yeah. I understand. I'm not saying the limitations are right. Uh-huh. I'm saying that there are limitations. Yeah. That's it. And maybe it's something I just need to like get over. And no, I wouldn't. I would Uh suggest that you continue to push. Uh I think that it's looking for the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And frankly, um, I don't know that that neighborhood needs it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that it's going to continue being known as the short North arts district. And it's going to continue having um, tourists come through town. But I would, I mean, I would look at the development that's going to be happening on Park Street, just yeah. north of Arena District, mm-hmm. and what the opportunities are um, before there's too much institutional influence yeah. over what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's tons of opportunities. Okay. But, Adam, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite muralist. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.